that? You want to do any weird noises? Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, is actually here for the beginning of the show where I sing the weird, beautiful sounds of Kope. <laughs> Japanese Bjork. Uh, hey, everybody, it's Wednesday. It's time for the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. I am joined by the amazing and wonderful Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, Win. What up? Yeah. And in the studio, fixing things like a lumberjack on a mission, it's Thomas Bridgman hanging out. He's got a, he does. He's got his lumberjack shirt on, but he's hipster enough it matches his hat with the little puffy ball on the he's top. He's the hero of the day. He's wearing lumberjack clothes without irony is what I'm saying, and I'm excited about he's it. fixing doors. Yeah, people love breaking shit at Mutiny Radio. It's like a fun game we play with people. We're no like, home training. No, you're locked in the bathroom. There was a time when it, people even... I can't remember who was on stage, but she was like, it was, people were laughing so hard. There was a person who was locked in the bathroom for like her whole set. For like, and then they start kicking and trying to get out. They ended up having to take the, they broke the handle. The, they broke the doorknob out. And that's how they figured out how to get this person out. I'm like, seriously, this, this is, I was, I wasn't there for that. Death trap for piss. Yeah. Death trap. Uh, but then Jonathan fixed put in the new uh, doorknob screw, but then something happened and people are kicking the door again, so now it feels like the door is bigger than the doorway, which is impossible because doors don't just grow overnight. It's not like it's, I mean, it's blood red, but it's not like there's, you know, blood in someone's dick and it's gotten so big that it, it can't stay inside its pants, which is, I was trying to segue to Aziz Ansari. Hey, everybody, there's been a lot of stuff in the news for us to talk about today. And... On the top of my list is um, boo-hoo, me too. Give me a break. You know what? Stop minimizing real people's trauma and PTSD and sexual assault Assault. things. by a bad date. I mean, come on. And bad head. I mean, he... For those cliff note versions, cliff note versions... We should, I could actually look it up and, and see the whole thing. We could listen to her. Um, Cliff Note versions. She's at a party on another date. Season Zizan, sorry, is super excited about it. Uh, fl- starts flirting with him. Hardcore. Definitely into it. He fi- And he's like, uh, comes up to him a couple different times. Then finally he goes, oh, yeah, we have the same camera. That's interesting. And then they kind of talk and hit it off. Mm-hmm. And then... Calls her up the next day to go on a date. Well, that's great. So they Polite. go out. Polite. He comes, she comes over to the house. They drink a little wine. They go out to dinner. She's oh, we sped through dinner. We just sped right through. They get home. And then he goes down on her on the kitchen counter. How oh, wait, nice. You, what a gentleman. You forgot the fact that she got really pissy about the wine choices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she, I like red. And she likes red, red. And all he had was white. So. It's, it, you're hanging out with Aziz Ansari, all right? Okay, so then he goes down on her. Win, win for everyone. And supposedly he wanted to do some other sexual acts that she considered, you know, too lewd. He probably wanted anal. And then she decided, I don't want to have sex with you. And he said, then get out of my house. Well, no, he well, <laughs> well he didn't say that. He said basically, you know, he, 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 cliff he stopped. Versions, cliff he stopped. Versions. He respected that. Yeah, and what then a great guy. they just sat and like watched, you know, sat on his couch afterwards. And by the way, and also in the article, she stated that she. Um, was um not verbally but she was communicating with her you know her body language that she did not want to engage in any of these acts though she did and my thing is this he did stop he there was there was there was no intercourse there was just oral sex she should have left yes if that's the place 
The whole thing, there's always that one stupid bitch. This is great. This is a great one. This is the New York Times. Aziz Ansari is guilty of not being a mind reader. Yes. Like, I was using my body language to say that. He went down on you. You didn't seem to have a problem with that. Seriously, once, and then, but that's the thing, is that he went down on her, and, and then he said he wanted to do other things, and she didn't do them, and now she's still butthurt? He didn't even put it in your butt, you don't get to be butthurt. You don't get to be butthurt. And the fact that She's ruining it for people who've had real assault. trauma, real assault. You're ruining it. You're, the fact is, you had a bad date. You had a. There was no sexual assault. The problem is that she thinks she's a special little snowflake. Oh, you there think that a are. famous person wants to hang out with you because you're scintillating conversation? Oh, did you go to Bryn Mawr? Did you did you go to some? Where did you go to school? He doesn't care. He's famous. He can fuck anybody he wants. But the thing is, when it sounds like it, it was just like any kind of typical date, um, you know, you have dinner, you you know, you have drinks afterwards or what have you. Okay, so first of all, after dinner, you go to his house. What are you expecting? I go to drinks before dinner and after dinner. And when I go to the house, I'm ready to fuck. And I mean... You don't have... I mean, the thing is, like, just, of course you don't have to. No, that is, that is not to. what I'm of saying. Of course you don't have that's, to. That's not the point that, I'm saying. No. But your expectation as a grown-ass woman yeah. and the responsibility that you have to take... Thank you. Responsibility. You have, to, you have to realize you're putting yourself in a situation where there could be sex involved. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. Right. But the fact that you are going to someone's house after the date... Right. In a man's mind, seriously, the majority of them think, oh, I, we're going to get down. Exactly. And I'm not saying that's okay either. But the fact of the matter, this is not sexual assault. He he did not force anything that you no. did not want to do. Right. And just your verbal cue. I mean, your non-verbal cues. Like non-verbal come on. cues. Oh, were you crossing your arms while he was eating your pussy? Give me a break. <laughs> He was paying attention to the task at hand, working hard, and what you and you're what you're rolling your eyes. You know, <laughs> seriously, like what were your nonverbal cues? He was work that's the thing I, I love about Enzi Sorry, is he is a hard working person. He's been hard working in comedy as an actor. He's incredibly funny. He's worked his way up. What a great guy. And you are upset was was the oral sex not good? Like that's that's a different topic. It's a different topic. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you had bad head, let's have a funny story let's about a getting funny bad story. head. From but Aziz how, Ansari, how hilarious. Yeah, but how dare you say that this is some kind of sexual assault? My buddy has, uh, I won't use names on the radio, but she got titty fucked by Snoop Dogg back in the early, like the late 90s, early thousands. And it is a badge of honor. Like, I would introduce <laughs> her as my friend who got titty fucked by Snoop Dogg. Dog. It was awesome. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I wish I was the girl that got titty fucked by Snoop Dogg. All this Mario Batali stuff gonna, that came out. I'm that. like, yeah, the we man kissed me this. twice and hugged me close, and I wanted more. Like, I'm sorry, it's a star fucker thing. It's the same thing when I saw Drew Barrymore in the Whole Foods in uh, Hollywood. And I ran and I did a knee slide and it was so embarrassing. And it was like, it was like, I would have been like, if she would have been like, eat my pussy, I would have been like, yes, Drew, of course. Did you want to go into, get out of frozen foods? Should we go to the bathroom or to the back? Like, what do you want? And I'm not even, I don't even swing the gay way, but for Drew, hell yeah, I am in, I am down. I'm already on my knees. Let's get it going. It's just the, the audacity. This is the problem. We all idolize these celebrities and we create them and we say that they're better than us or whatever. And then we get mad when they act like they're better than us. It's, are you really? Like, 
when in fact the matter is like these celebrities they're they're humans just like us yeah. and i mean my thing is i i'm also looking at the fact that well, the not girl, just like us they have a lot more money <laughs> yeah they, their bank accounts are a lot more larger um but i'm also looking at the fact of how old she's she's 23 years old Okay. Oh my God! So she's one of, and I don't think that how even old counts is as a millennial. How old is he? Uh, he's eighty-three, so he's thirty-four. Yeah. So I mean, there is. I I think there's also the not the they're not completely. They're ten years, eleven years apart. True. But the age difference, if I see like the younger generation, like people in their early twenties, don't even know so, somewhat what the definition of what sexual assault right. or sexual harassment can be. Sure. Like for example, I found like this little snowflake here. Yeah. Is using the fact of something that she did not get a gold star on or oh, a ribbon. Yeah, you didn't get your and, ribbon. You know, you didn't it get was your participation bad. And you know, oh, how dare him give me a bad date? So I'm going to punish him and Poor call guy. it something that it's not. The, she right, exactly. Call it something that it's not, which then negates the actual forward motion that we're having in this feminist discussion. Wow, women are finally having the opportunity to say, "Look, we've been." You know, the misogyny is rampant. They're, we are treated differently because we, because guys like sex or whatever. And people who've really bit like had their careers destroyed because they decided not to suck dick. Poor Aziz Ansari, he ate that pussy and she still, you know, like that is a, what a kind dude on a first date. On a first date. I mean, really. <laughs> Seriously, I know, he is a kind gentleman. He's a kind gentleman. Him. I want to see. I even. I, we should look at a, a picture of hers. Yeah. If, no, she's she anonymous. She, like the she's thing anonymous. Is, yeah. So she posted this on I think the Babe um, website. Yeah, we can we can read the actual transcript. So she's anonymous. Know. You know, she. We, we don't know who she is, and you know the thing is, it's just now people second guess. I hope, well, let's just put it this way. I hope people don't start second guessing this movement because you have silly bitches right. like this mm-hmm. who were smearing it. Yeah. And people are going to say we're bad feminists because we're not supporting her. But you know what? So, I'm not supporting I'm stupidity. not supporting, exactly. I, 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 I wish that there was less, like, this is what the PC division between the sexes. I, I can have respect for men and women. Women can be, you know, I, I, we can be horribly. I've, I've done. Ter- I didn't know that grabbing people's asses was like a. I, I mean, I've I've done this in the past where I've grabbed a lot of ass and I'm joking around about it. And it's dudes, sometimes women too. Why not? But because I'm a woman, I get like forgiven immediately, and people don't. But I mean, I've like sexually assaulted people for real in bars. <laughs> but because somehow, I was taught that. As a woman, you can't sexually harass anybody, which is totally not true at all. Everyone has the opportunity to sexually harass. Look at that cute little picture of him. What's just darling? It, the, 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 it says, I went on a date with Aziz Asari, and it was the worst night of my it life. Turned Bitch, into the worst you know, night had, of my life. It was the worst such night bad of oral life? sex. The worst. Mm, try. I've known people who've gotten raped. You know, yeah. how dare you? How dare you? Fuck this bitch. Uh, so here's the, she approached him because he recognized, she recognized his camera flash. Aziz Ansari was taking pictures at the 2017 Emmy Awards after party with a film camera, not a digital one. I stood up and I'm like tipsy at this point and feeling really confident. I'm in a gown and I walked up to Aziz and I said, what'd you just shoot with? 
my dick. Yeah, Grace is a 23-year-old Brooklyn-based photographer, then age 22. We're not using a real name to protect her identity because she's not a public figure. She says Ansari brushed her off at first, but after he realized they both bought the same kind of camera to the event, an old model from the 80s, he was impressed. They flirted a little. He took two pictures of her, and she snapped some of him, and then she and her date went back to the dance floor it was like one of those things where you're aware of the other person all night and we would catch eyes every now and then and he's here he is dancing yeah doing a uh, white man's overbite with a nice glass of whiskey everyone's having fun they ran into each other one last time as Grace was leaving at Ansari's suggestion she put her number in his phone oh so okay she put oh all right when her plane landed back in New York the next day, she already had a message from him. They exchanged flirtatious banter over text for a week or so before he asked her to go out with him on Monday, September 25th. The day didn't go as planned. The night would end with Grace in an Uber home in tears, messaging her friends about how Ansari behaved. Babe spoke first to the friends she told about and reviewed the messages on her phone. I tweeted like a 12-year-old girl that... I'm sorry, this is just... <laughs> We don't even know if that's true. I'm just making it up. I just love slander. The day after the incident, she wrote a long text to Ansari saying, quote, I just want to take this moment to make you aware of your behavior and how uneasy it made me. To that message, Ansari responds, clearly I misread things in the moment and I'm truly sorry. He's a nice guy. Look at this dorky guy. The mobile phone number... From which he texts his texts were to her were sent matches up with the details on his searchable public register. We spoke to Grace last week when we met, and Sari had just won Best Actor for his Netflix show Master of None of the Golden Globes, which he declared his support for the fight against sexual assault and harassment by wearing a Time's Up pin on the red carpet. Grace said it was surreal to be meeting up with Ansari's successful comedian and major celebrity, and she was excited for their date. Before meeting Ansari, Grace told friends and co-workers about the date and consulted her go-to group chat about what she should wear to fit the cocktail chic dress code he gave her. She settled on a tank top dress and jeans. Uh, she showed me a picture. It was a good outfit. After arriving at his apartment in Manhattan Monday evening, they exchanged small talk and drank wine. It was white, she said. I didn't get to choose, and I prefer red, but see, it was white wine. Okay, see, this right here, the entitlement. Right, the entitlement. I'm a 22-year-old girl who's a nobody in New York, but I am so much hotter than you, and I know that you're famous, but I'm fucking hot. And, and by the way, I I'm prefer fucking red. Hot. I'm going to your house. Yeah, I'm going to your house, and let's drink some wine, but white wine. Okay. Oh my fine. god. I'm only 22, but my dad like took me to this sommelier class in France. <laughs> so obviously, I'm an important person because I have money and I'm a cunt. I, Fuck you it, for ruining everything, you entitled little cunt bag. I think, I'll I say think she it. does come from money. She's putting feminism back <laughs> by claiming that a bad date is sexual assault. And are you so stupid? You not? I'm sure your parents paid for an incredible college, and you're this dumb. <laughs> Fucking ruining feminism for the rest of us. I'm just gonna. I'm going back to her advice because it's like a Lara. A better name is Lara. She's like, I was gonna use my Louis Vuitton bag, but I thought that the brown clashed with my shoes. But because those are Gucci shoes, and you know, when you're 22 and dating a season, sorry, fucking fuck this bitch. I'm, I'm pissed. Uh, I prefer. I didn't get the shoes, and I prefer red, but it's white wine. Then Ansari walked her to Grand Banks, an oyster bar on board a historic wooden schooner on the Hudson River just a few blocks away. Hey, Aziz, I would have already sucked your dick in the Uber on the way to the, excuse me, historic, 
Historic Oyster Bar. Sounds like a, actually a nice day. Sounds like so a far. fun time. You know what? And that's the thing is you would drink white wine before you have oysters. You don't drink uh, red wine with oysters. Exactly. It's because he has clay taste and class and style and knew that you wouldn't want to ruin your palate with a red wine if you're going to be eating raw oysters. Also, if you're going to an oyster bar on an old schooner, like traditionally oysters mean sex. Like That's actually true. I mean, too. all of his... <laughs> All of his nonverbal communication, I was giving him nonverbal communication. All of his was saying, Yeah, I'd like to have sex with you. I think this is going to be good. I'm, hey, well, but I'm going to be a gentleman about I'm this. I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm going to take him some white wine. We're going to get on a historic schooner. We're going to eat some. <laughs> I'm going to tell you some jokes. I'm going to be charming. I'm going to be witty. Good she Lord. said it was a beautiful, warm September night. They discussed NYU comedy and a new secret project he was working on. But she said she did most of the talking. Grace said she sensed Ansari was eager for them to leave. When the waiter came over, he quickly asked for the check and said, let's get off this boat. And she recalls there was still wine in her glass and more left in the bottle that he ordered. The abruptness surprised her. Like, he got the check and then it was bada boom, bada bang, we're out of there. Dinner looks good. Um... They walked the two blocks back to his apartment building, an exclusive address on Tribeca's Franklin Street, where Taylor Swift has a place, too. And when they walked back in, she complimented his marble countertops. According to Grace, Ansari turned the compliment into an invitation. He'd said something along the lines of, how about you hop up and take a seat? Great. Within moments, he was kissing her. Great. In a second, his hand was on my breast. Um, are you 12? Like, you're 22, and he's touching your... I mean, how... What a... He was going slow. This seems all very, like, slow. Like, now they're making out. Then he touched her boob. I think everything's working. Like, uh, then he was undressing her, and he undressed himself. And she remembers feeling uncomfortable at how quickly things escalated. I'm, I just, I'm, okay. I when Insari told her he was going to grab a condom within minutes of their first kiss, Grace voiced her hesitation explicitly. <sighs> I said something like, oh, wow, let's relax for a second, let's chill. She says he's then resumed kissing her, resumed kissing her, briefly performed oral sex on her, and asked her to do the same thing to him. She did, but not for long. It was really quick. Oh my God. Pretty much, uh, everything was pretty much touched and done within 10 minutes of hooking up, except for actual sex. What are you, a virgin? You're a 22-year-old virgin in New York City who goes to cocktail parties? Like, who the fuck are no, you? She ain't no virgin. I mean, come on. She ain't no virgin. And what's the big deal? Oh, anyways, okay. She, she says Ansari began making a move on her that he repeated during their encounter. In the move, he kept taking his two fingers in a V-shape and putting them in my mouth, in my throat, okay, to wet his fingers. Okay, annoying because the moment he'd stick his fingers in my throat, we'd go, he'd go straight for my vagina and try to finger me. Yeah, he was getting the fingers wet so that he could finger you. And he was using your own spit. That's so nice. What a gentleman. No, because we don't know if they just meant. She doesn't know if he's got the herb, right? But she came, first of all, do you know how many times I've rejected me like sucking someone's dick because I didn't want to? I, like get that thing out of my face. Yeah, I don't feel like giving but head right now. Finger bang me all day. Yeah. So how are you forced? Did he actually? Did he say hurry up and suck my cock? Wait, wait, wait. You actually, you actually 
So you probably mentally did not want to, but you did it anyway. You did it. Well, I mean, did it's you, not like, did he take his hand and put it on the back of your head and push you down? Like, that's, I, I can't, that's, that's like an old high school trick, but it's just, it's funny. And then it's like, oh, no, I didn't want, but you're, you're upset because he finger bit. He, he used your own spit to finger bang you with. What a gentleman. And he goes straight for my vagina and try to finger me. Grace called the move the claw. Sounds like he knows oh, what he's doing. God. And Sari also she... physically pulled her hand toward his penis multiple times through the night. From the first time he kissed her on the countertop onward. He probably moved my hand to his dick five to seven times. Yeah, like that's what happens. So, Have you never had away. sex before? Like, move, yeah. Move your hand Right. Oh God, leave by this point. Right. If it you is, don't want, if you, what do you, is this? Finish the night. Like, I, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm sorry. He really kept doing it. Af- even after I moved it away. But the main thing was that he wouldn't let her, he wouldn't let her move away from him. She compared the path they cut across his apartment to a football play. It was 30 minutes of me getting up and moving and following him and him sticking his fingers down my throat again. It was really repetitive. It felt like a fucking game. <laughs> Through the, it is a fucking game. Through the course of her short time in the apartment, she says she used verbal and nonverbal cues to indicate how uncomfortable and distressed she was. Most of my discomfort was expressed in me pulling away and mumbling. I know that my hand stopped moving at some points, she said. I stopped moving my lips and turned cold. Whether Ansari didn't notice Grace's reticence or knowingly ignored it is impossible for her to say. I know I was, let me do the voice again. I know I was physically giving off cues that I wasn't interested. I don't think that was noticed at all, or if it was, it was ignored. Ansari wanted to have sex. Duh. Yeah, she said she remembers him asking again and again, where do you want me to fuck you? While she was still seated on the countertop, she says she found the question tough to answer because she didn't want to fuck him at all. <laughs> I, was, oh I wasn't really even thinking that, and I didn't want to be engaged in that with him, but he kept asking, so I said, next time. And he goes, oh, you mean a second date? And I go, oh, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, if I poured you another glass of ni- wine now, would it count as a second date? And then he poured her a glass and handed it to her, and she excused herself to the bathroom soon after. Grace said she spent around five minutes in the bathroom collecting herself in the mirror, splashing herself with water. And then she went back to Ansari and he asked her if she was okay. I, I said, I don't want to feel forced because then I'll hate you and I'd rather not hate you. She told Babe that at first she was happy with how she reacted. He said, oh, of course, it's only fun and we were both having fun. And the response was technically very sweet and acknowledging that the fact that I was uncomfortable. Verbally in that moment, he acknowledged that I needed to take it slow. Then he said, let's just chill over here on the couch. This moment is particularly significant for Grace because she thought that she would be the, this would be the end of the sexual encounter. Her remark about not wanting to feel forced had added a verbal component to the cues she was trying to give off about her discomfort. But when she sat down on the floor next to Ansari, who sat on the couch, she thought he might rub her back or play with her hair, something to calm her down. Oh, see, this part makes me upset too, the playing with her hair. Ansari instructed her to turn around. He sat back and pointed to his penis and motioned for me to go down on him and I did I think I just really felt really pressured it was literally the most unexpected thing I thought would happen in that moment because I told him I was uncomfortable this is so stupid this is like have you you're 22 years old and you've just never had a sexual experience were you did your parents raise you in a cage did you what did you 
you shouldn't be. What playing are your these big girl games? You, but yeah, but the expectations. She had expectations about the wine and about the date. And then and play then with my had, hair. Play with my hair. He had some expectations too, and he did not force himself on you. And what the fuck? And then you, then you let. But here's the thing. All of this stuff. I'm reading this going. So, I, why is his career being hurt? Because I hope not. I hope. I hope not too. You know, I, I really hope not because it. Mm. Grace or whatever the fake name that you're using, I hope you show your face. I really hope you show your face, Grace. Yeah, I mean, your disgrace. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, he okay. Didn't have okay so we're bored with what she's saying. Uh, but here is his full. This is his full statement and Azizanzari's statement about um, what happened. Because I, I, I mean, I'm her. She has a very biased viewpoint. That is. I mean, are you a, were you a, are you a nun? Did, are, did you do you did you talk about going to a private Christian college? Like, what? She where does this kind of like an opportunist? Yeah, kind of like an opportunist. What you just wanted? Uh, Aziz Ansari issues statement denying sexual misconduct. I took her words to heart. He said, Aziz uh, Ansari issued a statement Sunday night to address the accusations of sexual misconduct with a woman known as Grace. I was surprised and concerned, and sorry said, when he learned how Grace felt about their encounter. Grace said that after a dinner date, they went back, blah, blah, blah. We already got that part of up. Okay, so here's his report, his full statement. In September of last year, I met a woman at a party. We exchanged numbers. We texted back and forth and eventually went on a date. We went out to dinner, and afterward, we ended up engaging in some sexual activity, which by all indications was completely consensual. The next day, I got a text from her saying that although it may have seemed okay, upon further reflection, she felt uncomfortable. It was true that everything did seem okay to me, so when I heard that it was not the case for her, I was surprised and concerned. I took her words to heart and responded privately after taking the time to process what she said. I continue to support the movement that is happening in our culture. It is necessary and long overdue. I mean... I, you know, the good thing about since I've been hearing when this story came out, I've been hearing a lot of women talking and saying, you know, this woman does not seem very credible and how I am hearing, you know, women saying that this is hurting the Me Too yeah. movement. Yeah. And I was watching something on MSNBC about it today. And uh, one of the writers, uh, one of the journalists from Huffington Post um, was asked, um, if this story came out to you, would you have published it? And she sure. said, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a bad take. It has nothing to do. I mean, it will... Well, it, well this it is airing. It was, that was a really graphic... I didn't even read all of it, but it's very graphic. It talks about, like, he pushes his penis up against her, like, m- pantomiming sex and stuff. He, by all indications... And through his mind and what is happening, he thought everything was consensual on the up and up. Right. Everything was working. The, that one word, the two-letter word, was not mentioned. No. Yeah, no. Right. She didn't say no. I And the thing is... Would she, mean, maybe, she feels pressured because he's famous? Maybe well, this opens the dialogue to how dating should work. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. This doesn't go with the same conversation of Me Too about right. sexual assault and exactly. harassment. Exactly. Now, exactly. now, maybe when we're talking about dating and communication, yes, sure. that this is a whole other topic for that. Which, by the way... I'm sorry, even as it just seems like you didn't have a good time. Right. So, I mean, that's... You so, can go on bad dates. Aziz... No one should get, be guilty of that. I, I love my boyfriend, Aziz. I love Jonathan so much. But if you want to take me 
on an oyster schooner. I would love to go on a date with you. I would love to. I would love for you to take me on an oyster schooner. I'm sure. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I can give you. Do you want me to give you the credit card? We're breaking the fourth wall right now. I'm, I'm, uh, we're performing sexual uh, things through the glass, and I'm going to pay him with the mutiny credit card because of the. Uh, this is one of my favorite little things here. This one guy, he said, like, as people are commenting now, whenever I don't want a physical relationship with someone, I always communicate this by giving them oral sex, sometimes twice, just to drive the point home, how uncomfortable I am. That was just a comment from a person. I'm like, that's very funny. Uh, that, yep. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm I gonna just, get him the thing, keep. Oh no, we're gonna keep talking about it. I mean, the fact of the matter is just like, I, this story, oh my God, the privilege that you hear in this story of this female, whoever this anonymous grace is, is disturbing. And I will say it again, I feel as if she is hurting the cause and the movement, but I hope this will pass, I hope this shall pass. Because the fact of the matter is, just because you went on a bad date, and just because you are a little soft snowflake, doesn't make it assault. I will repeat my, I will sound so fucking repetitive this whole time while saying this is not, not assault. Right, yeah. Bitch, I can if tell you. He, if he was chasing you, like, the only way to make it assault is if she would have been, like, pushing him off and saying, no, no, stop finger banging me. Stop putting your mouth on my pussy and making me come. Stop, stop, stop. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Now, and if she lets him go down on her and then she's like, I want to stop everything. Fine. You want to stop everything. That's fine. But we get to call you a cock tease. It's not nice. It's not nice to have someone perform difficult oral pleasures on you and then you don't return the favor. Like, what? That's just being selfish. That's just being... Well, it's just being selfish. Even by what she said about he didn't play with my hair and like he didn't have red wine, you're already reading into this what kind of personality this person has. How she is very self-absorbed. How she, yeah, yeah. you know, how like, oh my gosh, she didn't play with my hair, bitch. Play with your hair. hair. I've been with my boyfriend for like four years and he doesn't just nod. What movies hair. are you? Here's the problem. She's watching too many romance movies. They're not real. <laughs> Hey, guess what? You know what movies are? Not real. Do you know what actors are? People. They're they're, they're not. The characters they play are not who they are. They're people. They're I, people. And movies aren't real. And guys, don't play with your hair. You can ask them to, and they'll do it, but they'll be like, eh. Well, just like she, I obviously heard she lacks in communication skills. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. Because if you were so fucking uncomfortable, you should have said no. And you should have fucking left. Yeah. You shouldn't have went to his house if that's the case. Right, what if you're you, so I mean, uncomfortable. It's the same thing I used to say about Kobe Bryant. If it's three in the morning and you're in a bar and Kobe Bryant's there and he says, yeah, you want to come upstairs. You think he's in it for your scintillating conversation because every word that drips from your honeyed lips is from the gods? Fuck you. He wants to get ass. in the wetness of your pussy. Or, yeah, he wants... But that's the thing is that the responsibility also has to come from women to realize we shouldn't put ourselves in situations that, and it's not, I'm not saying it's your fault because you put yourself in a situation, no. but I'm saying just pay just, fucking just, attention. Just realize the situation you're putting yourself into. Yes. But you can also hang out with someone at three in the morning. And then if you're not comfortable with having intercourse with them, you have the right to say no right. and be like, okay, I, I understand I put myself in this position, but it's time for me to leave. It was right. nice chit chatting. 
maybe but we'll yeah, hook up some other time. Who's chit chatting at three in the morning yeah. with? I mean, that's the. Th- I mean, it's I mean, crazy. I've actually had three a.m. conversations without having sex, and sure. I've, I've had those moments where I'm like, you know, I'm on my period. It ain't gonna go down like okay. that. And you know what? You're right. I, I, had, uh, there was a time when I used to do cocaine, and it was like five in the morning, and I was hanging out with a friend, and we were in my house, and we were just talking, and I was like, I want to go to bed now, and I. And I think he thought that something was going to happen, like it was leading up to something. And I was like, no, we're just on cocaine talking. I'm yeah, not attracted exactly. to you at all. Exactly. Yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> right. And that's and that's the thing, you know, when they shut it down by communicating and being right. like, I, it's not going to go down like that tonight. And, no. and, I, and I even apologized. I said, I'm sorry if you thought that that was what this was about. I just thought we were hanging out doing cocaine. Like, I didn't, it, yeah. I've never thought of you like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and you know why nothing went down? Because... You were honest and you you knew you were putting yourself in that situation, but you're like, no, listen, we just, I'm here as a friend. We, we well, and I didn't realize because we had just been talking. He wasn't even doing any moves or anything. It was just like suddenly five in the morning and I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, yeah, you got to go. And he was like, uh, and I'm like, I just, that that's it. And he, he but it wasn't. I, I don't know. I guess he was just surprised. I because I, I wasn't, but I wasn't giving off anything other than I'm a person on cocaine that wants to talk. Yeah. And and this is where the difference between <laughs> men and women are how we are. Because honestly, men are sometimes some nasty ass freaks. They really are. Like, I mean, yes, we may put ourselves in the position of like, yes, if you are going to a guy's house after a date, what have you? Yes. The first thing the dude is going to honestly think is I'm gonna get some ass. Right. But the second, but what women think is like, listen, I'm gonna have a conversation, or maybe I do want to get some ass. Yeah. But I have the option to do either or. Right. But if I don't want to do either or do one, then don't put yourself in the situation where those or either ors no. happen. Yeah. And and if that's the case, if, then leave. Or just don't go. You just have options, no. oh, yeah, ladies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't have to have sex with that person or do any sexual acts if you are going to that person's house. But I'm just saying, you're putting yourself in the position, but it, when that when that opportunity happens and you want to shut it down, you can shut it down. You, shut you it don't down. have to be like this silly bitch. It's the same thing in it's the same thing in marriage. Like I I, uh, but I oftentimes had sex with my husband when I didn't want to have it because I was his wife and that's just a thing that wives do. And like, yeah, okay, that's passed down from generation and societally and that that's just a thing. But you kind of know what you're getting into when you get married. Do you know what I mean? It's like you have an idea of what you're getting into. So come on. Here's some more comments that I think are uh, funny. This is another guy, Zatch. Well, I'm sure you suffer loads of unwanted sexual advantage from advances from celebrities, some of whom may have intrinsic physical advantages over you in terms of physical strength and the attendant ability to override any uh, protestation you might make to said sexual advances. That's why I'm so happy that you were brave enough to provide your own personal gloss on how you choose to handle similar situations, which again, I'd like to mention, are surely so very similar to the ones upon which you now sit judgment. (laughs) Thank you, courageous paragon of virtue and propriety for your fearless words. (laughs) That was the thing about the comment to the oral sex thing, which I... I, And then this is, so Zatch Perilous, really, if you don't want that kind of contact with a person, you don't go on a date with them and then to their apartment and take off your clothes. Although the article is so eloquently worded to absolve any personal responsibility. She left when she felt she wanted to leave. People are responsible for their own actions, right? 
unless we are claiming that men are predators, although I can already see responses to that, and women aren't are defenseless damsels that need to be treated as children when it comes to how we interact. A woman can absolutely say, no, don't touch. That's a very clear stop. A story from one perspective is dangerous account when sensationalized in articles like this. If she truly felt as though she were assaulted, then this should be filed with the police, not posted publicly as a defamatory story. Besides, doing this is slander unless the person is found guilty of a crime. We have a due process, and this culture is evolving into a modern-day Salem. Thank you, Brian Moran out of Clearwater, Florida. That's very... What a great... Witch trial. Witch trial. Witch hunt. Well, and I think, I mean, if we want to look deeper into it, he just won the Golden Globe, and he is, like, outspokenly Muslim in his work. And so, are we trying to demonize again? Look at this guy. This is the most... I mean, still, he does not look like a predator to me. He looks like this dorky well, guy. He is he's a like, brown man. He's like, I'm gonna get some pussy to that. He's brown. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's brown. That's true. And, and you know, I, honestly, it does. <sighs> I want this. Grace, show your face. Yeah, Grace, Grace, Grace show, show your, your face. face. If this, I mean, come on. It, it just. <sighs> Poor guy. I, I just, I feel, I, I, actually, poor all of us. I honestly feel like, I mean, there is a useful term for what this woman experienced on her night with Mr. Ansari. So, sorry, it's called bad sex. It sucks. <laughs> but, and, it's like, yeah, the, the response to her story makes me think of how my fellow feminists might insist that my experience was just that. And for me to define it otherwise is nothing more than my internalized misogyny. Uh, <coughs> I'm, this, I'm kind of reading backwards, but I'm sorry this woman had this experience. I, too, have had many lousy romantic encounters, as has every adult woman I know. I have regretted these encounters and not said anything at all. I have regretted them regretted them, and said so, as did she. And I know I am lucky that these unpleasant moments were far from being anything approaching assault or rape or even the worst night of my life. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree with... uh, The feminist answer is to push for a culture in which boys and young men are taught that sex does not have to be pursued as if they're in a pornographic film, and one in which girls and young women are empowered to be bolder, braver, and louder about what they want. Yeah, not everybody likes getting finger banged. The insidious attempt by some women to criminalize awkward, gross, and entitled sex takes women back to the days of smelling salts and fainting couches. That's somewhere I, for one, don't want to go. Yeah, I totally agree with um, this author. This is by Barry Weiss. I don't know if it's a female or a male. It doesn't matter, but B-A-R-I. And I, I think, and it's what we started when we were talking about this, I really feel like this puts feminism back. Mm-hmm. There's always got to be that silly hoe. That, yeah. There's always got to be that silly just bitch. Just ruins it you for know, the rest of us. If you want to talk about people who are sexual predators, he lives on 1900 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, thank you. I mean, seriously. Oh, God. We could get back to that. That was my... Uh, we'll put Aziz Ansari to bed. Uh, <laughs> because Jesus. it's not the counter. We're just going to counter Aziz Ansari. <laughs> 
we're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna let him we're gonna just put that one we're gonna put that one away gonna move the shit we're gonna move yeah to <laughs> the amazing people of Norway the incredible people of Norway I love you Norway Norway officially changed their name to shithole or in their language it's like dithole or something uh, and by the way Norwegians have health care mm. they have by the way they are socialists yeah um they have a great have, jail system yeah they do that is um they have such low rates of recidivism that word is so hard to say recidivism yeah but why would uh, they want to fucking come to this gold gun toting no health care backwards eating obese fucking fat ass country yeah it's oh why because he wants more white people oh my god so this is written in oslo shithole uh, they, because they changed it. This is great. Norway rena- renames itself shithole in solidarity, solidarity with countries Trump insulted. And by the way, it's a white country. Okay, so you know what I'm excited about? Shit. We're taking shit back. Shit yeah. is now an okay word. Yeah. It used to be a bad word. Now we can say it not only on TV, but we have it right here. Shithole. Children can see this. You could do... Ch- uh, it's great. There's. I, I hope that some fifth grader is going... Um, my report was going to be on the Kingdom of Norway, which is now changed to kingdom the Kingdom of, of Shithole. Thank so you, let's President. talk about Shithole. I, I love it. Oslo Shithole. This is so funny. After being singled out by President 45 as a preferable source of immigration compared to shithole nations like Haiti and many countries in Africa, Norway has taken the drastic step of renaming itself to show it does not approve of such behavior. Though acknowledging Norway was probably only singled out due to her being the last leader of a majority white country that Trump met with. (laughs) Norwegian Prime Minister Erna Solberg said it is important to make the statement that will be heard. And this absolutely makes sense. Every time Trump meets with anybody, he's like totally believes what they say and is super into it. That's that's the whole thing about the guy who never tried a case and has never been a judge and appointing him to the Supreme Court. Okay. They <laughs> must have had a meeting the day before and he's like, no, really, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. And he's like, I like this guy. And because he has no experience or knowledge of any political science, people have PhDs in political science. People have been studying politics for years and have worked so hard to to understand what makes a democracy real and you shit in the face of that president seriously you know not you know nothing and you just get swayed all over the place you got that narcissistic personality disorder so if anybody just sucks your dick a little bit you're like yeah this person sounds like they know what they're talking about i'm huge i'm great well i mean this time last week um before the shithole comments he was meeting with uh bipartisan uh people from you know both parties and they were about to get DACA signed right and then because he didn't know the difference between a clean bill he didn't understand that if but he didn't understand that if he because he was like y'all if we can attach this thing onto it whatever I'll sign anything so all the stuff about the wall was getting negated and all that I mean it's and then you have his minions, the people in his administration. Yeah, that and idiot the people, Sean. The hard right people getting into his ear. And so this is when the whole shit, whole conversation comes up. In which yesterday, uh, the they had a meeting of, with, with the new DHS uh, Department of Homeland Security. This fucking bitch, Kristen Christian uh, Hansen. This bitch. So she was in the meeting about when uh, Trumpito called the country shithole countries. 
now people were denying it now and saying that now she uh they called it shit house which doesn't even make sense <laughs> Kristen um, who Kristen uh uh oh my gosh Hanson oh. oh good by the way oh you should actually ladies and gentlemen you sh- if you have not read or seen any of this from the Department of uh, Homeland Security she didn't know that people in Norway were majority white she's lying right there huh. um, and then is that is this is this for the redhead no, it's okay I've got dying wish argue arguing the right I to might die have CBS her name News. wrong um, just by type in uh, uh, Homeland Security and I'm sure that Bitch's Nordic face would pop up. Homeland Security. Ah, see. Yes, it is. Is uh, Booker, I guess is her name. Oh, Cory Booker grilled her ass yesterday. Like he got, she was calling her complicit and ill-informed because she was just lying to the American public and it was so obvious Dem silent Nielsen, after Kristen Cory Nielsen. Booker's mansplaining to DHF chief Kirsten Kirsten Nielsen Nordic or what? it is super Nordic <laughs> Kirsten Nielsen uh, tears of rage I, I just when ignorance and bigotry is aligned with power, it's a dangerous force in our country. Your silence and your amnesia is complicity, Booker said. Whew. Those are those fighting words. I love it. But Booker's rant also led to criticism from Republicans who accused him of grandstanding and even bad acting. The RNC said Booker got away with it because Democrats don't attack Democrats when they're mansplaining. Why do we have to make it into a sexual sex thing? It has nothing. See? Wow. I mean, this is the most... Booker accused Nielsen of covering up for Trump at the hearing. Your ignorance and bigotry is allied with power. It's a dangerous force in our country. Your silence and your amnesia is complicity. This is not... This is... These are the things we need to be talking about. We need to be... And I'll keep getting back to this. Our president is the most unpresidential human being alive. I prefer a 12-year-old girl to our president for decorum. Like, has he picked his nose on camera yet? He said shithole. So I watched that Netflix thing with Brock. I miss you so much. I love... The David Letterman? The David Letterman. I haven't seen it yet. Oh my God, it's so good. I want to see it. Okay, Netflix, thank you again for shaping all of our lives. It was so amazing. I was crying. I cried multiple times through it because just talking about his family and he's so intelligent and his knowledge and he's been to school. He's a lawyer. He's a constitutional. You know, he would be great for the Supreme Court. I wish we could nominate him for the Supreme Court because he is so well-spoken and so intelligent and so integritous and so amazing. And watching him be so presidential up there with Dave Letterman and just speak like an intelligent human being that was acknowledging I mean it was he'd never even put 45 down he didn't have to because his behavior he's like the Stephen Curry of politics right yeah he could do no wrong and he has beautiful decorum and he's so graceful he's so fucking graceful why why tit and tat for someone that has is not even at not your even level worth it not even and not you even just, at your level because this person and you see Trumpito, it so clearly yeah how Trumpito hangs himself absolutely but we're are we so stupid so that's why i love this if please watch it everybody go out and watch it cry you're, you'll cry because you miss him so much i mean it's 
watching him be so presidential and just talking like a regular person. If if Trumpito was on that show, he'd be like, me, 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 I, 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 huge, 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 and wouldn't say anything. He was actually talking about what was going on with race relations in our country and what's happening right now and how we need to think. It can't be about people with money. We're the people. And it's... He's so well spoken. I miss him so you much. Know, he would never tweet. And you know, and he, it, and here's the fucked up part about it. He, Congress, the Republican Congress, and were pissed off because of how intelligent he was. Yeah, absolutely. They did not like the fact that there was an educated man of color in charge of the country, of in charge of one of the biggest countries in the world. Yeah. They did not like that. So now they they feel it's okay to dumb it down. It is so dumb now. As we talked last week, he has one of the lowest vocabularies of any president, <laughs> fourth grade. Um, I really, I'm telling you, everybody watch the Barack thing and feel good that he was our president for eight years because we're dicks now let me finish this Norwegian thing this is their quote we Norwegians are a pragmatic people who don't much care what the country is called if renaming it shithole sends a progressive message of goodwill then that's what being Norwegian is all about after passing quickly through parliament and being approved by King Harald V Norway will be known as shithole as of noon Yesterday, uh, officially the kingdom of shithole or drithol, drithol in Norwegian, drithol. Drithol. Yeah, I mean, I love them. Let me tell you, you let me also say how stupid these people are the ignorant people that are in charge of our government right now. Oh, it's so and I'm bad. talking about mo- mostly Republicans. Yeah. Do you know the majority of Haitians and those people who come here from Africa, including people like myself, um, do you know those people have, most of them have bachelor's degrees, 44%. Wow. They they have more bachelor, they have more college um, education compared to the average American, Native American born here. And that's amazing. These people are doctors and lawyers and own their own businesses. And you know, man, we know what this is. They don't want a bunch of niggas. They know what? It's the brown. It's the brown. I don't. And that's the whole thing. I don't understand why. Why we have such a problem with brown people. It, okay, I'm going Sorry. back to Mexico again. I'm going back. You know why? Because I fucking love Mexico. Mexico is amazing. And I'm. I miss it. I'm going back after the comedy festival because it's so beautiful there. Everybody smiles and says hello to you. Everybody. Everybody. They say hello to each other. You make eye contact with me. It's a complete. Everyone's working. I didn't see anybody not working. So what is wrong with the Mexicans? Why are they rapists and they have the best work ethic? What is wrong with it? But I know. I just can't believe it. It makes me so crazy because I'm like, really the color of the skin? But lately I've been having this crazy esoteric, like... Um, narc- not well, nar- always narcissistic, but um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when it's I'm in like the state of confusion. There's I'm like there's I'm in an ennui, but because I've realized that I'm not worth anything to them, and therefore I'm worthless. Like ri- like this woman, like the rich the rich lady, the rich 22 year old girl is like I'm going to be taking out to dinner and other. Oh my God, Grace, just. What is happening in the world that we're not like our celebrities are worth if our president can be president when he has no experience at all and no knowledge at all 
What does that mean anymore? If you're what, it's if you're rich, you can buy anything. Kim Kardashian can write a book about neurosurgery, and everybody's going to believe it, right? We can't. But that's what's happening: is that if you're if you have money, you're worth something, and if you don't, you aren't. And that's not true, and that needs to change. And we're okay with it right now because we elected a president who is all about money equals power equals right. Or money gives you the right to live, and that's not true. We don't believe in that. Or if you're a person of color, maybe you don't have the right to be in part of this club right. because maybe the fact of the matter because you're a dirty black or brown person you don't have the same right to an education you can't play with us it's you terrible yeah and even if you are a person of color that do have money you're still going to get called a nigga you're still going to get <laughs> yeah. called a spick yeah. you're still going to be called the bottom of the barrel you're still not you still you can't have a seat at the table unless no. you reach this level of impossible celebrity do you or, know like uh, I know unless you want to tap dance and be a coon well that too there's uh, that's if you want to coon and be come on massa but then what why what's wrong with those us? are the worst ones. what's 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 wrong with us in the United States that in the 20s we had uh, amazing African-American performers and they went to France and France is like we don't care if you're black and they could. we like your talent why are those white people you know what I mean and Norwegians we've got the Norwegians are white people they're super white and they're going like we believe in socialism we believe in taking care of everybody come on into our country we speak we stand in solidarity with you we don't care if you're Muslim or whatever but then what is wrong with this particular where we why is it still here in such a pervasive way maybe because our country is not really that old it's I think it has something to do with that and then this this the our whole experience here in the United States was built upon race it was about bent off the genocide of murdering a Right. indigenous folks but it still was based at the same time on this concept of democracy saying that all men are created equal the entire thing that we live our constitution under hey Trump I went to school and I kind of maybe know more about politics than you do which is crazy to me but the entire reason that democracy exists is that people said we're not the king we are just as important people are people and they are equal and that is how we're going to govern ourselves we're not going to say that aristocracy and birthright and money that's passed down through a monarchy over time is okay we're saying that's not okay and we founded this country on that now at the time we did it on the backs of a bunch of brown people but it, <laughs> and, and in the for a while women couldn't vote we weren't people black people weren't people mexican people Chattel. weren't people dark people weren't people women weren't people just white men and it used to be white male landowners and then it changed to just white men and then it changed to women and then it changed so we're I mean we're just starting to move but why but, but this is the white fear and the panic that is going on right now because by 2044 this country is gonna be what white's gonna be that minority great and so the fact of the matter is... It doesn't is just, matter. It's follow the money. It, 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 it's <laughs> The funny thing to me is just like, white people are afraid they're going to get a taste of their own goddamn medicine. And after we've been telling y'all... No, we're not giving anyone medicine because we're taking away their health care. Why are we yeah. going to give them... You don't get a taste of medicine. You get no medicine. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. a, that's a whole other thing, it's, too. I mean... It's just... But we're, such- we've, we're losing our democracy. And Trump being president is one of the new nails in the coffin of democracy. It's saying this person with money doesn't have to play by the rules. Oh, yeah. If you have money, yeah. you don't have to play by the rules. Because people with money are somehow better than other people. Just and pay that's them where off. the problem is. <laughs> but that's where we come into the problem with, yeah, 
68,000 people died in 2016 of opiate overdose. And they're not saying it's an epidemic because you know what? I really feel like they just want those people to die. I feel like they're saying... Pharmaceuticals are great because we can make a lot of money off it. Oh, we got some casualties in this one. Ha <laughs> ha, little fentanyl everywhere. Sorry, everybody, you're dying. But, but they don't want those, quote unquote, those people anyways. So it's easier to let those people die. Well, they die. also have this stereotype and the stigma, which we try to tell y'all white folks when we had our crack epidemic, that this is going to come and bite you guys in the ass because this epidemic, the opioid epidemic, is hitting all, all classes. And most of the classes are high middle class or uh, uh, white folks as well as lower middle class white folks this is this is your party and we tried to tell y'all but y'all didn't want to listen y'all just wanted to lock us up and throw away the key and you know we're bad dirty people and then oh. now you guys want rehab Right, and right, now, right, 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 now, right, right, right. But now, yeah. here we did a story a couple months ago about a town in Ohio, which is predominantly white. They didn't want to pick any more people up in this town right. yeah. because of how expensive it got, and they and people were overdosing. It was like one of the highest towns, or excuse me, highest overdoses in this uh, in Ohio. But it's easy to say you're a drug addict. You're not a real person. We don't care about you. Right. Die. And now, and now it's another demographic. It's right. their turn. Right. Because drug addicts used to be, like you just said, dirty brown people, and now it's like everyone's an addict. Anybody can be an addict. That's the thing is it's anyone can get, and and here's the thing, fentanyl will kill you. Car fentanyl now is even crazier. So, I mean, it's hard to say don't do drugs, but if your life sucks or, I mean, there's so many reasons why people become, that they're trying to deal with pain and yet we don't have, if maybe we had a better healthcare system that dealt with mental health, maybe it wouldn't be such an issue. Maybe if we had a mental health system that didn't base everything on drugs or just a a medical system in general that wasn't like, take this pill and feel better and it was more like systemically dealing with people's needs as a whole body. Oh my God, no way. Like, thinking about medicine as everything from what you eat, which that's crazy to me that people don't think of food as medicine. It's what makes your body go. Mm-hmm. Like if you... How do are, you avoid having high cholesterol? You, yeah, eat a lot of <laughs> kale. How do you avoid having colon cancer? You diabetes. Gotta, diabetes. There's so many, but treating people systemically and holistically in like a health, physical health and mental health, that could change everything. But we're just like... Take a pill. Take a pill because we can make money off you if you take a pill. And I mean, going back to what you're talking about with the whole fentanyl thing, which again, you've shared that story before. Why is this? It's so powerful. Like, why is this even being supplied? Why is this even being made? Like the story that we did several months ago about the little boy in Florida who was at the pool who had the uh, uh, fentanyl overdose because he accidentally stepped on the patch. Right, right, right. Like yeah. shit like that. Yeah, the little poor, poor little boy. You can't make that up. No, I know that's... I wish I, it was made up. It, absolutely. That I mean, if it, it, that stuff is so strong that it kills children, like literally. And you, like, like, not not the not the child was a drug addict. No, no, he was no, just, but he was black, so they did think that at first. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's, it's terrible. True. I'm sorry. I don't try to make the jokes about it's. It is incredibly sad. And have you been watching? There's a new intervention. Oh no, and, I haven't uh, seen it. I love intervention. Yeah, there's so a new much. intervention, you know and they're talking about there's the nasty heroin ep- uh, epidemic in Georgia. Uh huh. And so there there have been two episodes now, and it's people from like middle class, uh, 
majority of them are white and some of them are talking about like you know their loved ones who are on uh, heroin or what have you are talking about I never thought that this would happen I never thought life. it would happen you couldn't know? believe it and I never thought I could would know somebody or you know yeah. it just all the things it's just like you know anything is possible yeah I, it's so, it science. surprises me how delusional some folks are like yeah. oh this only happens in those dirty areas oh that's where I wanted to get to too speaking of delusional um <laughs> The Hawaii thing that happened this week. Did you hear about this? What what happened? Everyone in Hawaii oh, yeah, got Hawaii. a text oh, that's that said up. that North Korea was bombing them with a nuclear weapon. They and they had cover. Twenty they had twenty five minutes till they were all gonna 38 die. Thirty eight minutes till they were all gonna die. So and, it and it's on an island. Like there's nowhere for you to go. What do you do? So I wanted to see just let's pretend, let's play a game called San Francisco 2018 um, we find out we all get the text you do I don't you tell me about it because I have a dumb phone not a smartphone so it wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't know how to get to me I'd see it on Facebook or something and they said San Francisco the entire Bay Area they're basically a nuke is coming and it's going to be in the center of like the, the Bay or something it's going to take out there's no way to be like even as far out as Santa Rosa you're fucked you know what I mean right. so like the whole Bay Area they send us a text and they say it's coming what do you do? I would probably panic and look for a basement. I don't know. <laughs> right. I would probably be crying, panicking, texting people, saying I love them, just like these people in Hawaii. Right. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. I would probably have to have a bottle of wine near me. Yeah, there we go. Something. There we go. Um, but it's 38 minutes, so. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like I have a whole 24 hours. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. We got 30. Exactly. So it's. So who do you, who you do you do you grab do you grab your your who do you call like I, I, you call, I call your, everybody you, you call as everybody much as, as much as many people I could text or what have you yeah I would be with my man all right okay so you be with your man all right you know that's very sweet but it, I, it's scary you you know you are God I would have to get drunk really quickly right 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 that, see that was very that's the similar thing I would do I would um. If I was near Benders, I would definitely... I'd just go hang out at Benders on the back patio and be like, Hey, everybody, let's drink as much whiskey as we can. We don't have to pay for it, right? Even hey, Have the money. It doesn't matter. The money's going to get vaporized anyways. Take <laughs> right. it all. Take all the money. Just start looting, everybody. Yeah, yeah just, don't worry about looting because all the money's going to be vaporized and nothing will last. That like, TV that you just stole, yes. you're not going to be able to watch it. You're not going to be... Well, I loot. Exactly. <laughs> so I wouldn't get in a car and go anywhere because it's just going to be... Everything's going to be clogged and people are going to be in such a panic that I think they just start running over people oh, that yeah. all the laws would be completely out the window and people would be like I have to get out and so people would be getting very dangerous They'll turn it to the purge right so they're like I don't care who I kill it doesn't matter we're all gonna die anyways so I, I would honestly just get to Bender's hopefully get I mean but that's the thing if Jonathan was at work I'd be like Sorry, honey. Do you want to talk on the cell phone till we're both dead? Like, I'm gonna go up. This street. is when FaceTime actually really matters, right? FaceTime. I don't. I won't ever FaceTime. I don't know what to look at when you FaceTime. Like, you're trying to look at them, but you're looking at you, and you see yourself in the corner, and then you're like, "Is that what I look like?" Yeah. Like all of that stuff is like. Is I, I didn't know I had that. That's the whole vein thing, thing that comes. Right. I'm like, oh, maybe I should wear makeup. Christ. <laughs> I just. I hate. I hate I'm, that stuff. You know, I was. You know, I was thinking about this the other night uh, about. You know for those 38 minutes that happened in hawaii how many people told some dark secrets mm. and probably got it busted out and then come to find out hey 
guys. By the way, by the way, we're still alive. Bad. It was an accident. Sorry about that. And someone probably just added themselves of like, hey, I actually murdered someone. Right. There's or 14 like, bodies in my basement. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I'm sorry, honey. I actually had an affair with your sister. Right, right, right. Why would you? I would never bring that out before the end of the world. Why? What to absolve yourself so you can go to heaven? Give me a break. There was a uh, also an article I was reading about uh, a dad who had two kids, and he was like saying he didn't know which kid's house to go to oh, and so he's like i don't know if to go kid. to this one or this one he picked and favorites. so the house that he we don't know who, who he chosen yeah. but i'm sure the, i'm sure it's not going to be a nice uh, dinner conversation <laughs> right dad you chose her that's the favorite one i got you dad i got you pops but I'm just, I was just thinking about, you know, the fact, like, I'm sure someone told some deep, dark secrets within the 30 minutes right. of the world supposedly ending. Ugh, my heart would have dropped. I know. I would have. I, I would. I mean, I would have just. I probably wouldn't believe it. That's the thing is I'd be like, eh, whatever. But I, I'd definitely, I'd definitely get super, super drunk. Now this actually makes me need, like, really want to find where there is a bomb shelter. Right. <laughs> Seriously. I don't think those worked anyways. I, yeah. I really don't think that. I think all that stuff in the 50s or whatever of, like, I'm in a bomb shelter and we're going to be okay. I don't think that being buried underground in a metal tube helps you when a nuclear, uh, you know, event happens. Maybe... Because the, even the ground would get radiated, and if the if That's the bomb blast, uh, and and how deep does the bomb blast go? It doesn't just take things off the surface. It like creates huge craters, right? Like it's not. There's a huge explosion, you know, ring. I've seen the mushroom clouds and the whatnot. Uh, Hawaii missile threat. Locals lived out their worst nightmare. How Hawaii reacted when the, I want to get some of the people. Uh, this was the emergency alert. It said. Emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek shelter immediately. Oh this God. is not a drill. They had the real stuff, um, you know, on like, beep, this is not a drill. And uh, and people people freaked out. Oh, I would t- I would have been one of those people freaking yeah. out. Panicked residents gathered family members, ran out into the streets and desperately sought shelter as they awaited the attack. Cars were reportedly abandoned on highways and people who were outside at the time hid in homes of neighbors, others prepared to flee. Those watching television also had their broadcasts interrupted by a ballistic missile threat alert, according to NBC. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm... Charles C. Carlson, a tourist visiting Hawaii, said the moments following the alert were filled with fear. There was nothing I could do. I wasn't in an area where I had any friends where I could go to their homes, she said. I literally just sat in my car worried that was it for me because I didn't have shelter to go, like I said. Oh. Just all those people who were on vacation. Too. Yeah, I know. This is this is funny. Yeah, I know. People round up screaming at breakfast. That's crazy. What did you do? The line went down, so I got more food at the buffet. Oh. <laughs> I love you, person. That's hilarious. Uh, we felt quiet and calm, sat there in silence, whispering to each other things that were going to be okay, but anger rushing through my head as, I, as a father, I felt helpless. I thought to myself, this must be someone's last day at work or someone got extremely upset at a superior and basically did this as a practical joke. <laughs> uh, people hiding in the bathtub. I mean, you, you I said seriously just get drunk. I'd go to, I, if I was here at the station, I'd uh, just run down. I'd. Would you call your fam? I don't 
don't give a fuck. I'd, I'd talk to... I'd, I mean, I'd call Jonathan and be like, right, where are you at your work? What's going on? I'm going to go to Bender's till the world ends. But then I'd go there and I'd just be like, you know, do you, yeah, do you want the money or not? Because obviously it's all going to vaporize. You could just give me the whiskey if you want. Let's all just get like, let's just drink a lot and get super ripped really quick so that we're like, up, oh, everything's over. Get blackout. Yeah, completely. get blackout. Yeah. If I, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that would be my goal. I'd want to blackout so fast that I wouldn't remember when it happened. I don't want it to be like that movie, A Friend at the End of the World, oh, where they're yeah. like, everything's falling apart, it's coming, and then suddenly there's this big bright flash. Or the end, same thing, the end of Rogue One. Where sorry, spoiler alert. When they're like holding each other on the beach and they see that it coming, just the wall of death, and they're like, "All right, this is it," and they just it would be like that. I would have to black out. Yeah, so blacking out was good. Uh, how Hawaii reacted? I just want to hear like I these. Like, yeah, these these are really. I mean, it. This is humanity at its finest. It's last minutes. What happens? Yeah. But I. I mean. The scary thing is this shit is real and someone uh, there is no threat there's a one of the amber alerts is uh, lit up and it says there is no threat which is a great picture um because i would love to make a, a what's it called a, a flyer out, out of, of that i mean uh, how hawaii reacted when they were told the world was ending if you were told that a nuke was about to wipe you and everybody else off the face of the earth in a matter of minutes, what would you do? Personally, I can't imagine bringing myself to do anything apart from empty the fridge of any ice cream and cry relentlessly into my pillow. <laughs> Luckily, it's something most of us will hopefully never have to hear about, uh, unlike the unfortunate residents of Hawaii this weekend. Oh. Uh, thousands of mobile phones on Saturday morning that the middle school strike was imminent. It wasn't until 40 minutes later that the second message was sent, letting people know that there was indeed no threat. It wasn't quick enough, though, for some people to act in some strange ways, Uh-oh. as would be expected when you believe you only have a little while to live. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go crazy? Expecting this, one Reddit user asked the question, people who made an impulsive decision when they found out Hawaii was going to be nuked, what did you do and do you regret it? And here are some of the unexpected. My 70-year-old dad ate two loaves of bread while hiding in his closet. He said his only regret, he only regrets it because he has to buy more bread now. <laughs> I ate all the leftover lasagna in my fridge. I figured that if shit's about to hit the fan, I better carb up. <laughs> Once I realized they were all together, I went to the third floor of a building with some co-workers and waited for the Big Bang or whatever was to come. I told my big Samoan boss that we should just hug. This was the way they would find us frozen in time like the folks they found in Pompeii after Mount Vesuvius. Things were a little awkward the rest of the day. That's poetic, though. That's poetic. It's great. Let's just hold each other. My friend, before receiving the false alarm alert, said she made a mimosa, said goodbye to his family, and planned just to sit on the beach and watch, as he described it, the fireworks. I looked at my girlfriend and said, I love you and I hope it's fast. Sat in bed with her, looking at pictures of our trip we took to the big island, and was just with her. That's very sweet. Uh... Some people just went at it, had pre-nuke sex, no regrets, tried to time it with the flash. Everybody came except the flash. I was in a hostel and I'm a male and all the other people in the hostel room I was in were women and the same age as me. We all got the text at once and looked at each other. I knew what I had to do. 
awkwardly comfort them with jokes while they cried. Not very romantic. I had no idea what to do, so I got freaky with my wife while smearing birthday cake all over her body. I had to get a plan B today, but they were all out. <laughs> That's great. That's fucking... That's so That's funny. That's actually... That, I think that would be have to be something else I would have to do. Yeah. But I, probably, I, I think I would be too distraught, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just forget about it for a minute. Like, I don't want to So this was the Reddit account. Um, and there's but people who made an impulse decision and found out that why it was going to be nude. What did you do? And did you regret it? <laughs> uh, let's see if I can find some some, some cute ones. That's um, so funny. Smooth birthday cake. That's yeah. <laughs> see, I don't know about a hundred feet underwater. Oh, went to Hanukoko to dive. Figured a hundred feet underwater was as good as place as any. No boom. I don't know about a hundred feet underwater, but as someone who grew up partly in Hiroshima, I've heard stories of the aftermath of the nuclear bomb there. Since everyone's bodies were burning, skin falling off, etc., many people chose to jump into the Hiroshima River. The lady who told me the story said she watched as her best friend jumped in before her, dying, instantly dying due to what I assumed was increased radiation in the water or heat from the bomb causing the water to boil. She also remarked that she is forever grateful to her friend for jumping in before her, otherwise she wouldn't be alive today. Oh, shit. Edit. I'm surprised at the number of people who didn't know there were Hiroshima survivors. Yes. There were people who survived the initial bombing and many who survived the aftermath, although had complications. If you watch any documentary or accounts of the bombing for more stories like these. Also, for those of you who would like to be more educated on what happens during a body, a bombing, Barefoot Jen is the story of a boy looking for his family and trying to escape the horrors of a nuclear bomb. It's an animated film that my class and I were shown when I was in the fourth grade. Content is pretty graphic. I mean, that's the thing is this is a scare. This is a big, we're all, I mean, it's back. This is back in our gestalt. Remember in the eighties when the cold war was happening and we all watched red dawn and we were like Wolverines. And I was seriously afraid of the Russians, the Cubans dropping a bomb on us and terrible things happening. I was, I used to have nightmares as a child because of that red dawn movie. And now I think it's so funny and so slow, whatever. (laughs) But during the cold war, we were really on edge and even in the 60s we were really on yeah. edge about destroying crime. things and us getting destroyed by the by the bomb that like we had a part in creating so it, it's coming back it's coming back to the gestalt and people are thinking about it again and, and I don't know there are so many other things to be afraid of like god we gotta be afraid of this too yeah. like <laughs> add that on really like come on I guess but the reason that it's so palpable for me right now is that the guy in charge is an impulsive, narcissistic bag of dicks. And so it is scary. <laughs> it is scary to conceptualize that there could that could be an issue again. It and, could be scary. And the people that he has behind him are not the brightest. <laughs> they are not the smart. I mean, wasn't he just uh, tweeting like a couple weeks ago saying that his bit, his button is bigger than Kim Jong-il? Right, 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 Which, right, right. by the way, there is no There's fucking no button, button anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, this is, you're playing with people. And we, we just saw a prime example. It was kind of like, I'm kind of glad that this drill happened. Because it kind of puts in perspective how real this is. Yeah. Like how this guy that we have in this 
this office is playing with people's lives by tit for tat with yeah. some maniacs. So you got two maniacs trying two to maniacs. talk to see who oh. who's crazier. I, I, I'm just, this is, people really, really love, he really loves to tweet. He hasn't been doing so much very right now, but um, I, I was looking for something terrible that he's, there's all this stuff going on and he's not even really commenting on it. I'd kind of like to see what is, unemployment for black Americans is the lowest ever recorded. Trump approval ratings with black Americans has doubled. That's Thank false. you. And it will even get much better. Wow. That's actually false, by the way. His um, his approval rating with uh, black Americans is 3%. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Tell me which Negroes has he been talking to. Uh, if he's talking about the coons that he hangs out with. Oh, this is interesting. Trump's tweets about black unemployment miss a major point. Incarceration. So, yeah, right? Because if everybody's in jail, they... That, this is interesting. Uh, Donald Trump has is, is long been interested in the black unemployment rate. In August 2011, soon after he became highly active on Twitter, Trump tweeted, Unemployment is plaguing both black and Hispanic youths. Very troubling. In July 2013, he tweeted twice about black high, black, about high black unemployment, including this jibe at then-President Barack Obama. I wonder why Barack Obama is not going to the NAACP convention. Is it because he can't answer the questions about 14.7% black unemployment? This week, amid accusations of racism over his referring to Haiti and African nations as shithole countries, Trump's interest in black unemployment has been newly stoked. I have that tweet that I just read. Trump's statement is accurate. The official black unemployment rate reached nearly 17% in March 2010 following the Great Recession of 2008, but then plummeted during the second half of the Obama administration. In December 2017, it was 6.8%, which is the lowest rate recorded by the Bureau of Labor Statistics since they began collecting this statistic in 1972. Still, just as it has been for the past 40 years, black unemployment remains much higher than the overall rate, which is now 4.1%. A good rule of thumb is that the black unemployment rate is a bit less than double the overall unemployment rate. But what Trump, along with most politicians and economists, miss when talking about black unemployment is it is actually a significantly larger problem than official numbers indicate. That's because the U.S. government employment statistics do not include people who are incarcerated. In 2016, there were 1.5 million people in federal and state prison in the United States, although only about 13% of the U.S. population in 2016 was non-Hispanic black, about 40% of those incarcerated were. The imbalance is particularly pronounced among incarcerated men. 41% of incarcerated men are black, compared with 24% of women. If incarcerated people were counted as unemployed, which they reasonably could be, unemployment statistics would look very different. As Jeff Guao pointed out, paywall... In the, in the Washington Post, had incarcerated people been included in the unemployment rate for men between 25 and 54 years old, consider the prime working age in 2014, then the unemployment rate for black men would rise steeply and only modestly among whites. Uh, so in white people, incarceration excluded, there's 5% unemployment rate among men 25 to 54, and incarcerated included was 6.4%. But for black, Incar incarcerated excluded 
unemployment rating is 11.4%. Incarceration included is 18.6%. Yeah, right? It's woof. It's almost it's 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 almost double. Uh, in the 1940s, when the United States began collecting unemployment statistics, excluding incarcerated people, didn't make much of a difference. For most of the 20th century, the, the incarceration rate hovered around one out of every 1,000 Americans. But in the late 1970s, harsher sentencing policies, more stringent policing, and aggressive prosecutors sent that rate skyrocketing. Today, nearly seven out of every thousand people are incarcerated. Black Americans had always been overrepresented in the U.S. prison system, but mass incarceration hit that group particularly hard. Ignoring the incarcerated does not, dis does not just distort unemployment statistics either. In her 2012 book, Invisible Men, Mass Incarceration and the Myth of Black Progress, sociologist Becky Pettit shows that improvements in the black high school graduation rate and the convergence of the black-white wage gap would be significantly diminished if the increase in incarceration since the 1970s was accounted for. There is some good news, though. From 2008 to 2016, the number of incarcerated black men fell to nearly 490,000 from about 590,000, due largely to declines in incarceration in California and New York. Perhaps someday, official unemployment statistics will actually represent reality. That sounds like that was toward the end of the stop and frisk in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the legalization and um, the commuting of sentences for people with petty drug crimes that aren't, you know, it's personal like the use. the strikes rule thing here. Right. If you had a Which, joint, if you got caught with a joint and it was your third strike, you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, you could even like jaywalk and they could probably be, they could probably third strike you. And you know, what white people get jaywalking tickets, right? Like, it's just an excuse to, like, so stop and frisk you, basi basically. I, Absolutely. Not that you can do that anymore in New York because of the amazing work from the Drug Policy Alliance. Thank you, Melissa Moore, out there, Deputy Director of Drug Policy Alliance of New York City, changing the world uh, one, you know, joint at a time. God, I love marijuana, don't you? It's, it's yeah. just so good. The you crazy know. new taxes are expensive, but I love it. Oh, I... I'm gonna get some today. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you one of the people that are paranoid about Jeff Sessions, though? Now that he's been trying to go after ever since, uh, absolutely, it's been. Well, I'm completely paranoid about all of that. I'm afraid that the there, they, I mean, they, they can't. But they can. What are they gonna do? They're gonna go down the streets and be like, "All of you smoking pot." Like, what can they do to San Francisco? I mean, well, in the whole state of California, because you have at least. The They'll shut the farmers down. If they go, if the federal government comes in, what they're going to do is they're going to go to farms and grow ops and they're going to shut those people down. It's going to really hurt the farmers and it's going to be a super bummer because the farmers always get fucked. Uh, I don't think they're going to walk into dispensaries and although they could do, they could walk into a dispensary and be like, all this weed now belongs to us. I, I feel as though if the little uh, Keebler elf does try to do something like that, because there are actually a lot of Republicans um, in different states now that are for medical marijuana and what have you. Like you have people in Arkansas as well and yeah. Florida and Arizona um, who are Republicans who are for marijuana because how much you can tax it and how much money you can make yeah. after, after it. Oh, this fuck face. Oh, yeah. Well, you said Arizona, so I thought we'd get Joe, to that in a oh, second. But no, no. It, I know. Tax it. Make the money off it. The new green economy. The new green is green. We're making it a thing. Just like we've made Ubers and Lyft a thing. Fuck. 
10 years ago, there wasn't, it didn't exist. And now it's a huge part of our San Francisco economy. Same thing. Weed wasn't a thing. Now it's a thing. So it's a thing. Tax it. Do whatever. It's fine. I mean, you, everyone benefits. That's a thing. Everyone so benefits. The, uh, the, the fact of his ideology is so, so... It's, his ideology is backward. It's the same it's thing so with abortion. It's prehistoric. It's yeah. so prehistoric yeah. that I really feel like some of the, your leaders in a lot of these states, especially this one, will not go for that. I hope not. The thing is that he's basing it all on this moralistic attitude that somehow smoking pot makes you a bad person. And... Remember what he said about the KKK? Right, 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 right. They thought he, they're fine until he realized that they smoke marijuana. Then, oh, they're bad people. But it's 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 a holdover to an old stigmatization of it. I wish they just be honest and say we don't like marijuana because it's not a pill that we can make and make tons of money off of. Like they can with taxes and stuff, but they can't control the production in a way that they can with. Or you can be like uh, one of the um, these representatives in Kansas last week said that um, uh, Black Americans um, are more prone to uh, smoke those jazz cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, no, to Uh drugs and stuff. And like uh, that's what they called them. Joints they used to call them jazz cigarettes back in the day. Because the black people played the jazz. (laughs) They smoked. They smoked. They're gonna sleep with all the white women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they get the white women high and they're like, oh my god, this is so good. (laughs) What is this? What are these jazz cigarettes? I love them. I do. I love. I think. But also, marijuana makes people kind of come together, and they it helps with empathy. It, there's so many different ways that you were right. But they don't. They don't want us to have empathy because then we'll realize like black and brown people are the same as white people. I mean, unless you just. It's it's just a they want to keep it's idea. yeah absolutely just like this fucking asshole. Oh, okay, so you mentioned Arizona, and so I thought I'd bring up Arpaio. You guys remember we did a story last year about how he was running concentration camps. Basically, he got these old tents from the Korean War, set them in, uh, set them up in the desert, and uh, like a hundred, there was like 136 degrees. There were all these people living in tents. They weren't given like it was almost like a chain gang, it forced labor, and and a lot of these people hadn't even been convicted of a crime yet. They were waiting, awaiting sentencing, or it was a lot of ice. There was a lot of um, immigration. People who haven't even been charged, they're just waiting, and they're living in this horrible, you know, they shouldn't have treated people Men that way. Men and women. Men and women. So he, just yesterday, uh, the very funny thing, so they kept saying, you're admitting guilt, and he's saying, no, I didn't admit guilt. I'm like, but you were pardoned. So what it, what it means, though, is when you're pardoned, it means that you're admitting guilt, because he was told he was guilty, but rather than being sentenced, Trumpito flew in and said, nope, nope, he's pardoned. So giving a pardon means you're guilty because they're saying you're guilty, but now we're waving, your we're sentence. waving it. We're not, yeah, we're not saying you're not guilty. We're waving your sentence. We're pardoning the sentence. But that you have to have a sentence pardoned means that you're guilty. guilty. So there was this thing where he kept saying, no, I'm not. And they're like, okay, well, but this is reality. So um, a segment of MSNBC Friday turned awkward for Joe Arpaio, the controversial former sheriff running for Senate in Arizona. The 85-year-old accepted an August pardon from President Donald Trump after being convicted of criminal contempt for ignoring a court order and continuing to racially profile. Arpaio appeared on MSNBC's The Beat, hosted by Ari Melber, and discussed the pardon. The president, I never asked for the pardon, pardoned me because he knew this decision was wrong, Arpaio said, before claiming he had some sort of appeal in the works. 
Melbourne then seized on the facts surrounding the Arpaio case, reminding viewers and Arpaio about the tent city jail the sheriff once called concentration camps and an apparent 48 million legal bill run up by Arpaio. The former sheriff responded by saying that the folks in his jails violated the law and if they didn't like the conditions, they should have they shouldn't have engaged in crimes. You say they violated the law, Melba responded. You're seeking a promotion, and the judge found you violated the law. That raises the question, why do you want to go to the Senate and write laws if you won't follow a judge's order to uphold them? A judge found me guilty of a misdemeanor, and I'm not going into po- the politics of that, Arpaio said. Let me ask you another important question, because you brought up this unusual but lawful pardon that you received from the president, Melba responded. As you know, when you take a pardon, you're admitting guilt. Why did you take that pardon and admit guilt? From there, it seems pretty clear Opio did not know everything that accompanied his pardon. I didn't admit guilt. I said it was not guilty. And I say it today. Arpaio responded, causing Melbourne to raise his eyebrows in response. But you accepted the pardon. And you know under the law, that is an admission of guilt. Melbourne said, no, I don't know about that, Arpaio said. I'd have to talk to the legal scholars. Melbourne then walked the sheriff through the Supreme Court case, Burdick versus United States, that made clear a pardon, quote, carries an imputation of guilt and acceptance of confession to it. Do you understand that's the legal implication of what you did by accepting that pardon? Melbourne asked. Arpaio didn't really answer the question. I'm not a lawyer, thank God, he said. But the president can make any decision he wants on a pardon, and I'm not going to argue what your decision is. I'm sure his lawyers have reviewed it. The Trump ally and former Maricopa County Sheriff has already had tumultuous campaign for his efforts to take over the Arizona seat to be vacated by Senator Jeff Flake. When he appeared on Fox News to discuss the false ballistic missile warnings sent to Hawaii residents over the weekend, Arpaio decided it was a good time to revisit the birther conspiracy, which critics call a racist dog whistle. It falsely maintains that the former President Barack Obama was not born in the Aloha State or anywhere else in the U.S. I don't want to get into it, Arpaio said, but I know doing a certain investigation on the fake fraudulent government document, they can't even solve that case. They don't even want to look at it. So either incompetent or there's something behind it. Speaking of incompetence. Oh, God. So that's the thing. So he ain't even in office anymore. But he's running for senator. So he's he's a he's he's a pardoned criminal. And he's running for senator. He's running for a promotion. And he, and here's the thing. Again, he has no idea what he's talking. He has no idea about law. He's no about lawmaking. And yet he wants to go into lawmaking. You don't even know what you did. You don't Ooh. even know what a pardon is. You don't even know that he you admitted guilt. He was a sheriff. Guilt. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> that's, that's the funny part about it. Who uphold the laws, which he didn't uphold. Oh, my gosh. The irony is ripe here. I mean, and then also, too, the reason why I know he's definitely, he's not going to win because the taxpayers of Arizona had to pay out uh, some of his lawsuits because mm-hmm. he had he had been sued so many times. But tax that's why he was not uh, he, he didn't win uh, his other term as sheriff. This is this is so great. Uh, this is so anyone in Arizona needs a reminder. Joe Arpaio burned a dog alive yep. and laughed when the dog's owner cried. Yep made women give birth in shackles, refused to investigate child sex crimes, operated what he called 
a concentration camp and now he wants to be the senator of just don't forget everybody just don't forget uh, and they say that this is false. They say claim. We're going to go through the accuracy of those claims one by one. Claim. Burned a dog alive and laughed when the dog's owner cried. Status false. There's no evidence that Joe Arpaio ever personally burned a dog alive or laughed when the dog's owner cried. However, it was reported in 2004 that a Maricopa County SWAT team serving a weapons burglary search under warrant under Arpaio's supervision did. According to an article in the... 5 August 2004 edition of the alternative weekly newspaper Phoenix New Times. A two-story home in the Phoenix suburbs of Awataki caught fire after the Arpaio's SWAT team launched a tear gas canister into it during a raid. Occupants of the house said the fire was caused by the canisters, though investigators determined the likely cause was a candle knocked over in the commotion. Two of the occupants, Andrew Barker and Eric Cush, told the New York Times that an officer sprayed their 10-month-old pit bull puppy with a fire extinguisher as it attempted to escape outside, driving it back into the burning bedroom where it died. I was crying hysterically, Andrea Barker was quoted as saying. I was so upset, and the deputies were laughing at me, she said. October 15, 2004 article in the East Valley Tribune confirmed the dog burned to death during the fire, which completely destroyed the home. The Tribune cited a sheriff's office spokesperson who said the dog was aggressive and that spraying it with fire retardant meant, was meant to subdue the animal without harming it. So, not true, true. You know that shit was true. Well, it's true, but it wasn't necessarily... Our, basically, when she says Arpaio lit a dog on fire and laughed, he okayed all of that happening because yeah. he was in charge and it he was warrant the was underneath him. <laughs> right. But, you know, he didn't actually take lighter fluid and throw it on a dog no. and light it on fire and laugh. That, which is what is... So, yeah, false but true. It's just, it's... Uh, okay, so here's the other one. Claim made women made women give birth in shackles. Status mixture, so it's half and half. Miriam Mendiola Martinez, an undocumented immigrant arrested on felony identity theft and forgery charges in 2009, filed a lawsuit in 2011 alleging that Maricopa County Sheriff's deputies violated her rights by placing her in shackles for transport to a medical facility after she went into labor, and then again when she was in the recovery room after giving birth via C-section. She was not shackled during the birth itself, but a medical expert testified at trial that restraints on female inmates at any point during pregnancy or postpartum recovery pose a health hazard. The case was settled on appeal in 2016 with Mendiola Martinez accepting $200,000 in compensation from the county and Arpaio agreeing to prohibit deputies from restraining female inmates during labor or the first two weeks after delivery. We found no other instances of Arpaio or the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office being accused of restraining women during labor, birth, or postpartum recovery. Claim. Oh, wait, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, that right there is a sign of guilt. The fact that yeah. they had to shell out... $200,000, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't... Um, I can't imagine giving birth, like, the, oof, in just being shackled up. It's, yeah, right. Claim. Refused to investigate alleged child sex crimes status mostly true as the east valley tribune's ryan gabrielson reported in a pulitzer prize-winning article in 2008 chef Ar- sheriff chef 
Sheriff Arpaio's personal obsession with immigration enforcement sapped county resources and led to a sharp decline in criminal investigations and arrests. Many of the cases that fell by the wayside involved sex crimes. By Arpaio's own admission, the number of uninvestigated sex crimes cases eventually swelled to more than 400. Gabrielson wrote in 2017, many of the victims were children. According to the law enforcement officials cited in 2011 Associated Press report, dozens of alleged child molestation cases in the county were inadequately investigated or not worked at at all. In El Mirage alone, where Arpaio's office was providing contract police services, officials discovered at least 32 reported child molestations, with victims as young as two years old, where the sheriff's office failed to follow through, even though suspects were known in all but six cases. Many of the victims said retired El Mirage police official who reviewed the files were children of illegal immigrants. Oh my God. That's even worse than... So he didn't... There were sex crimes against children, but because they were children of immigrants, it wasn't taken into it. They weren't, they weren't helped. They weren't helped by the laws that happened. This is, he was so hardcore against immigration that he, they don't care. What? How can they not care? You can't be a senator if you don't care about people. You can't be a senator if you, the whole point of being a senator is not to be in power so you can get more cookies or whatever it's to help people it's to serve your community in i mean maybe i'm crazy well i mean honestly that's the definition of what a politician is supposed to do they're a public servant but but we obviously know now like to push through their own power well their own racist agendas yeah you know if you're so into immigrants because you're a racist fuck that's really what it is right it's like, show me your papers show me your papers oh my god I'll show you my rolling papers we can hang out at Dolores Park <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got this is the only like papers show me your paper rolling papers what do you want I don't get it <laughs> Uh, this, this is the last disgusting. one. Well, we know this one's absolutely true. He operated what's called a concentration camp. He actually called that in his own words. He called yeah, it. Yeah, there was a whole video about it. Yeah, he's like, it's a concentration camp. One of Joe Arpaio's proudest accomplishments was the creation of a seven-acre outdoor jail he called Tent City, erected in 1993. The compound was meant to relieve inmate overcrowding, but won international notoriety, notoriety for the cruel conditions imposed on those imprisoned there. Francisco Charieres, who spent a year in Tent City in 2014, recalled some of those conditions for the Washington Post. Quote, The rules of Tent City were strict, arbitrary, and brutally enforced. There were no newspapers allowed. Arpaio hated newspapers. The only food allowed for those of us in the work furlough program was food in the vending machines, which was grossly overpriced. During the only food? During the sweltering summer, the temperature could reach 115 or 120 degrees. I was in the tents where we hit 120. It was impossible to stay cool in the oppressive heat. Everyone would strip down to their underwear. There was no cold water, only water from vending machines, and eventually the machines would run out. People would faint. Some had heat stroke. That summer, ambulances came out about three times. One man died in his bed. Arpaio saved worse abuse for others. Those who were in full detention had to wear pink socks, underwear, and flip-flops. They ate peanut butter and bread, and the only other meal they received was bologna and bread. They also had some option of slob, which was unknown, disgusting substance that looked like some kind of thick stew and tasted like cardboard. The poor people in the work furlough program who couldn't pay for vending machine food had no choice but to eat it. So if you can't afford a $3 candy bar, you have to eat slob. 
Mm-mm. Not even slop. Slob. Mm. <laughs> I can't. They let him operate this shit well, as that, long as they did. And they want. And he's running for senator. Running for How senator. can you? What do you just decide? Are people gonna vote for him? Like I don't, this makes I, me so nervous. Like I really I, I will don't put that in the internet and say I don't people. think people in Arizona are gonna put him back into office. I really don't. I I mean, not saying the other person that's running for senator is she's crazy too. Her name's Kelly Ward. She like she's she was one of Steve Bannon's uh uh candidates. Mm. But she's cray cray too. But yeah. I think will Trump's Arpaio pardon help swing Arizona to the Democrats. So everything in here is basically saying like his pardon's ridiculous. We hate it. And cuz I put in I put in will people vote for Arpaio. And I they don't really give us an answer. I really I really don't. It is quite possible he could get I mean How did he keep getting reelected for sheriff of Maricopa County? Is it is it truly that the people that are white that live in Arizona are so rich and have so much power that they're like we have no problem with this whole show us your papers but the majority of people in Arizona aren't white rich people are they I mean my parents have a house down there and they play golf all year round and you you would think and they and they really don't are they my dad is very racist about stuff like that but but they love strawberries they love eating you know someone has to pick someone has to pick the strawberries somebody has to do strawberries good lord i mean where are we gonna and and that's even racist it's like someone's gonna pick the strawberries but the concept that they're willing to do it we've got we can go back to this in the beginning entitled little american fuck faces who've never done a day of work they've never been in a field they've never grown their own food they sit behind they've got their iphone and i deserve everything i wanted red wine but i only got white are you kidding me like but it's it's the same it's the same thing it ties back you i would love it if people would go howard Rourke on our asses and say hey i'm working hard and i want to be this amazing architect and so i'm going to go do granite labor so that i can learn what work is thank you ann ryan thank you for writing that book thank you character of howard Rourke, who has so much integrity and it's crazy throughout time and knows what real labor is and that's one of the things that shapes him and believes but real labor no little american snowflakes are gonna want to do anything they don't understand what labor is they're like i'm better than labor you're not better than why is it that the brown people are okay with they're because we make them do the labor because they're like i really want my strawberries but i don't even think that i don't even think when people look at the organic or whatever and they're saying i don't even think they're thinking about the farmer they're not or who's doing the work so that they're like wow raspberries are 5.99 a pint now well be it's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Right? It's I wish we could teach. Some people live in their bubble, and that bubble's about the bus. Yeah, I think that everyone should learn how to dig ditches. Everyone should learn how to do actual labor. We used to have to do that to survive. We used to be like a homesteading nation of self reliance. should go into the cotton fields and pick it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Seriously, it would be. No, you know what? And it's not a terrible idea to have. This is, this to is ha- a field trip. 
<laughs> right, exactly. To have a field trip where you're like, you take seriously. I have no problem with that. I would, I would want to actually have a high school grow a small patch of cotton and <laughs> make them bloody. exactly make them pick it. And this is the days before the cotton gin, where they actually had to. It was really labor intensive to get the seeds out of the cotton before you wove it into threads and all that stuff. Bloody so goodness. it was, it was incredibly labor intensive, and that's the only way that it could viably be an economical way for the United States to have this product was because we used black people because we had slavery because if you don't have to pay someone to pick little bits of cotton you're not gonna I mean oh god (laughs) we don't even know what labor is anymore we just don't there's um there's some farmers down um I believe it's in Alabama and Georgia I read the story last year about um, they were worried with with when Trump coming into office that he the guy that owned the farm couldn't get enough workers. He couldn't <laughs> get anybody. And so when he did hire the white people to do the job, which he had to pay more, what have you, they all he said they all did a horrible job. Right. They, some of them were the most laziest people that he ever came into contact with. And this is a white farmer saying this about hiring his own. Huh. So, which was a fascinating article, but yeah, he couldn't get anyone to migrate over to work to on his farm. Work. That's crazy. This is great. I looked up, I looked in cotton picking high school because I was thinking like, I was like, well, no, because I feel like there should be, I feel like there's got to be some controversy somewhere, but it would, I mean, I think it would be amazing to take a group full of 16 year old kids and say hey we're learning about the civil war we're learning about slavery we're, we're learning about the civil rights movement we're learning about change and stick them and make them pick cotton for an hour and their backs are going to be hurting they're going to be complaining and be like this is lame and, and then you make them take it into a room you're like so they had to do that for like 10 hours a day and then you put them in a room you're like these were the these were the ones that got to be inside all the time and make it like hot in there and they're like trying to pick out the seeds and everything's sticking and they're hot and they're like Ugh. But make if we made these kids do it for 20 minutes, they'd be like, "Holy shit! People did this their whole lives." And then that's not with uh, the 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 sporcier not whipping you and telling you if you don't hurry up and finish that cotton, damn it! Yep. So this you is get no water. This is from and we'll do UK because we love it. Um, Ohio school sings cotton picking song. Pisses off parents. That's not, it's not that technical term. Uh, Parents shocked. So shocked parents storm out of racist school concert after youngsters sang a folk song about picking cotton. Some parents have cried racism after a middle school choir sang a folk song about picking cotton. The eighth grade choir performed Cotton Needs Pickin' during their fall concert at Thursday on Springfield Middle School in Lucas uh, County, Ohio, prompting at least one parent to storm out of the performance. Parent Nicole Malsby, who is Cuban, posted a video of the performance on Facebook, later deleting it. She claimed that the song about workers picking cotton is a racist reference to black slaves toiling in the fields of the South. It's part of our history, friends. A black woman in the crowd mother mouthed, oh my God, to Malsby during the song, and her husband Alonzo, who's black, stormed out of the auditorium, she told the Toledo Blaze. The short song includes the lyrics, cotton needs picking so bad we're gonna pick all over this field i don't know what this how the song goes uh springfield school superintendent matt geha said the song came from a book of american folk music adding that he hadn't received any calls on friday but is aware of the complaints uh-huh. circulating on social media uh-huh. some tried to draw a connection between the song and a separate incident with a st- student from another school in another district 
at Christian Young Life event off campus, which had a country theme. Students with the Christian youth group Young Life were reportedly seen posing with a Confederate flag. Come on, Springfield. This is the song you sing just a week after the Confederate flag issue? Radio host Charlie Mack wrote on Facebook. Facebook. According to the superintendent, it'd been selected, blah, 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 blah. I know that timing can sound bad, but it's a historical component for what the choir department had to use for their curriculum, he said. What? Uh, Springfield Middle School has a student body that is 65% white and 18% black. So here's the cotton picking lyrics. Cotton picking lyrics. There are different versions of the folk song, but typical lyrics include, Oh, cotton needs picking so bad. Cotton needs picking so bad. Cotton needs picking so bad. We're going to pick all over this field. We planted this cotton in April under the light of the moon. We've had a hot, dry summer, and that's why it's open so soon. Oh, hurry up. Hurry up, children. Look at the weather vane. The wet wind's blowing toward us. I think it's going to rain. So you got to pick the cotton before the rain comes because otherwise it's like impossible to pick, right? Right. Yeah. What do you think about this? We're going to close on this. Is it? This just... Is there a historical component or, or are they being racist? I mean... Do you know what? If It shouldn't be performed. Talk about it in history. Talk about uh, it in historic facts. Just like uh, last week, the, there was a teacher that posted an assignment... Uh, to the fourth grade students about um, name some good things about slavery and some bad things about Whoa. slavery. This was last week. Like there are so many people that are just emboldened to just wow. like willy nilly slavery. Like it was such a good old time. Wow. Oh, do you know what though? Okay, so if you're gonna hit- say good things about slavery and bad things about slavery, the first thing you need to say is there really isn't. It's bad. There's nothing. But good. there is. I mean, but we can translate it to now is that having free labor is one of the easiest ways to make money and so if you're going to talk about i mean the only way to do it is to bring up in the context of today and say so the bangladeshi garment workers are making 10 cents a day or a dollar a day so that that's a form of slavery now you can't wear that you can't get that that skirt at h&m for 19.99 unless someone is subjugated in some way absolutely it's it, our entire country was built on it so if you're gonna you can say like well if if you want to say good you have to contextualize good and be like yeah it was great for the rich people who were abusing people and not treating them as people to use their free labor labor and negate their humanity and we do that all the time Absolutely. I mean, the, my thing. There, I. I just. I still think there is nothing good about slavery. No. The, the one thing I can. There. The one thing I can brag about is like, my ancestors built this country. That's that's my one bragging point. But I'm still not going to get any reparations for it. So fuck it. Right. 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 You know. Right. I'd rather burn some of this shit down anyway. It's. I, this stuff is crazy. Uh, now go. Pu- no, go pick some cotton. So I, I felt racist music, songs of bigotry and racial intolerance on old time radio. How fun. <laughs> yeah, they've got all kinds of, uh, you can buy the CD racist songs, 72 old time show recordings Ooh. available in the following fort. Oh, wow. And they've got blackface. That's amazing. I've got to get some of that. Mm. 
The use of racial stereotypes in songs has a long history in popular American music. Beginning in the minstrel entertainment through the 20th century, there have been a number of top hits with racial stereotypes. With such titles as, quote, all coons look alike to me, quote, old black Joe, and, quote, Piccaninny Paradise. Yeah, I know that one. Although these titles may make one shudder today, they were commonplace just a century ago. Other races and nationalities besides African Americans used were used in racial music, including Germans, Chinese, Dutch, Native Americans, and Irish. This music is a significant part of American music history and includes records from the late 19th to tw- early 20th century. Please note that some of these rare recordings were collected over 100 years ago, uh, and then they go into, wow. Uh, so some of the names... those greatest hits. The greatest hits. All Coons Look Alike to Me. <laughs> band Darkies Temptation. Uh, Sousa's Band Darkies Temptation. Chin Chin Chinaman. I haven't heard that A one. Coon Band Contest. Every darkie had a ray a raglan on. What's a raglan? A raglan on? Every darkie had a raglan on. Walker, uh, my little Zulu babe. Phrenologist coon. Coon, coon, coon. These are just the names of songs I'm just reading. God, Phrenologist right. coon. It, the phrenology is when you touch people's heads Head. and it tells the future or, or tells things about them. Uh, coon, coon, coon. <laughs> Medley of plantation songs. Uh, Mistre- Minstrel's first part. Blah, blah, uh, cakewalk. Yeah, it was Dutch. Mick that sent. Mick that sent pick. Lulu, my dusky Lou. Uh, let's see if there's. Uh, Macadonna Navajo. These are my Irish maid. Uh, I bullfrog coon. Lots of coon. Lots and lots. They were very creative. Wow. Wow. Well. We'll just we'll end on this racist note of bigotry for everyone here. This has been the AltaCast, trying to not be trying to change the world and not be bigoted. Uh, yay! I'll tell you who the real coons are: people who support Trump. Ah, oh, terrible, terrible stuff. He's his racism is it, it just it's pregnant now. It's like you it's so everywhere. We can see it. We can sense it. And I, I just I the wonder when about the break. I just wonder when we're going to stand up and say, can we fight for our democracy again? Can we say that it doesn't have anything to do? Like he's trying to create a monarchy again. You know, like I, he wants to get his kids in. He's like, I'm the richest guy. And that means everything. So it doesn't matter if you're smart or not, if you got enough money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This has been the AltaCast. Thank you so much, Latoya. You're the best. Thank you, Miss Pam. And uh, we'll see you guys next time here on Mutiny Radio. Bye. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat.
everybody. Listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me fine dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. 
Hi, ladies and gentlemen. We'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer. Burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 